Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. If you would join with me in your Bible, the one you brought with you, or the Pew Bible in front of you, or if you're one of those people that likes the Bible app on your phone, just join with me there. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, our text today will be verses 1 through 10. That's Isaiah 11, verses 1 through 10. Hear with me now the words of the Lord. So a shoot shall come up from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, and the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eye sees or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge for the poor and decide with equity for the oppressed of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion will feed together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, and their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples, and the nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious Lord, as we gather here in your house, here on this holy ground, may your spirit be upon us. May it fill our souls till they overflow. May your words ring clearly in our ears and echo deep within our hearts. And with those words, may our lives be transformed so that we would leave this time together not as mere hearers of your words, but as doers of your words. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. On August the 5th in 2010, the earth gave way deep in the San Jose copper mine the one in the Atacama Desert in the Capiaupe region of Chile. 33 miners were trapped 2,257 feet underground with emergency supplies expected to last two to three days. Now those of you that are claustrophobic, just take a deep breath. 2,257 feet, that's deep. The story ends well. See, they rationed their supplies. They monitored each other's health. They checked on each other's physical health, mental health, 
spiritual health, all while waiting, hoping that help, that a rescue, that something would come soon. And 17 days after the collapse, the rescue efforts, which had garnered worldwide attention, they finally reached the miners. When a six and a half inch hole punched through the rock in the chamber where they had sought refuge. And when, they, when it punched through, the miners were excited. They took a tool and banged, banged, clanged on that mining, on that, shout, on that drill head, so that everybody up at the surface, some 2,300 feet up, knew that there were people alive down there. And as the rescuers pulled the drill bed out, they had found taped to it a note. All 33 of us are fine in the shelter. So after 17 days alone in the dark with the walls closing in and literally the weight of the world on their shoulders, starving and thirsting for sustenance, they had what they needed most. Hope. It would take another 63 days to rescue them, to pull all of them out. But on August the 22nd, they had what they needed at that time the most. Hope. See, in the 8th century before Christ, the prophet Isaiah, he's telling the kingdom of Israel that God has a plan for you. We know that you're being subjugated by the Assyrians who are expanding their empire from northern Iraq towards the Mediterranean Sea and they have oppressed and they have suffocated, they have starved, if you will, the people of Israel. And so Isaiah is writing to them saying that God has a plan and we know that today Isaiah speaks of a time when God will redeem them. In verse 1 he wrote those famous words, a shoot shall, shall come out of the stump of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of its roots. Verses 2 through 9 describe what this shoot, what this righteous man, this Messiah will do. And in verse 10, on that day the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples that the nation shall inquire of him and his dwelling place shall be glorious. See, verse 1 is telling the Israelites that help is coming. Hang on there, have hope, help is coming. Verses 2 through 9 talk about what this help will do for them. And finally, in verse 10, the true nature, the glory that is to be. Isaiah gives the people what they needed most in this moment in history. Hope. So strong was this hope that the Israelites held out for it over the centuries, over time, retelling the story, watching and waiting, looking for a time that they would be redeemed, that Israel would be restored, that the Messiah would come. And thus with the birth of Christ, the calculus finally all added up. See, hope is miraculous. It is in and of itself. It's about an expectation for the future. It doesn't mean that all the problems, all the issues, all the mistakes, all the ills are going to get fixed like that. But what it says is that in time, all will be well, all will be fixed, all will be restored, all will be healed. And so Isaiah helped the people of Israel see that, that even in their darkness, with the weight of the world on their shoulder, that God was punching through the rocks to them to give them hope. 
The season of Advent is about preparing our hearts to celebrate the birth of Christ. But also we begin to realize that we have been given the gift of hope ourselves in Christ. So on this, the first Sunday of the Advent season, we come to understand what this hope means for us. We realize that the world needs this hope as well. And that we are called as children of God to go forth in the world and to share the message of hope. The 20th century theologian Jürgen Moltmann is one of several theologians who wrote and created and started preaching this, this new way of looking at God, this new theology. It's called the theology of hope. See, Moltmann believed that the birth of Christ proves that God's promise for the future surpasses what has happened in the past. The theology of hope. See, the idea behind it is that there is a promise, an expectation that the future will be far greater than anything that has happened. If you think about this, it makes sense, right? Think about what Moltmann is teaching, this idea that the future is greater with the birth of Christ than the past. I mean, when God says, I will go among them and show them the way, sending us Christ, that's got to be better, right, than what we've ever seen. Christ the King of Kings comes in the form of an infant, vulnerable and innocent and yet revered, where magi come from the east and bow down before a baby king. God's intentionality of not sending yet another prophet or another judge or another earthly king, but sending God's son to us. It sets high expectations, doesn't it? That there will be a future and the future will be much better, that the rescue is coming. Hang on, that salvation is here. I mean, think about that, that salvation is here, that the time has come, that there is hope for us yet. And I see it in the world around us, if we know where to look. I see this idea, this hope, this redemptive hope that God had for all of creation with the birth of Christ. I see it in our children, where they look at each other, their classmates, and they see the different skin tones, and they see skin color, but they celebrate the difference. They don't see it with the eyes of discrimination, but it's something to celebrate and to be revered. I see it in young clergy who in an era where people think of it as the post-Christian era where the church is on a downward slide, where there's turmoil in the United Methodist Church, still wanting to go to seminary, wanting to serve God, listening, wanting to be preachers in churches to share the good news, desire a change for our future. I see hope in people that still plant forests and trees knowing full well that they will not sit in the shade under them. I see it in the adoring looks of parents and grandparents as they hold a baby in their arms. See, when we begin to understand and understand that this idea of hope is that the future is out there, the future is better than the past, that what we have now, that there is always God punching through the rocks to us to show us the way to give us hope. See, if we understand that, what about the world around us? For example, I think about John. He has it all, but he can't see it. Sure, he changed jobs right before the coronavirus shut down the world and the hiring stopped, and he's been struggling trying to find a new job since then. 
Sure, he's married and his wife leaves the house every day, but he's not getting out. He's isolated, cut off from his own family. He's walled himself off for the world. Or you take Sarah who served her country, but she can't seem to get it together now. She doesn't sleep. She's listless. She doesn't like crowds. She's easily angered. She can't focus. She knows she has PTSD. Or you have Bill and Martha. They're so thankful that Martha's surgery was successful that she's on the mend, but the loss of her income due to her illness, the loss of her income when she's being healed has put a dent in their finances. The medical bills are piling up and they're not sure if they will ever dig out of the hole of medical debt. What each of these people have in common is what you and I know. They need hope. The darkness, the isolation, the fear is closing in on them. They need someone to punch through the rock and to say that hope is here. Someone to break in and to let them know that the rescue is on the way, that salvation is coming, that you're cared about. And my brothers and sisters, that's where you and I enter into the story. See, as followers of Christ, as ones who recognize and celebrate the gift of hope, that that Isaiah prophesied about, that we received at the birth of Christ, We understand the call is upon us to spread hope. See, Moltmann taught that the Christian is the hoper who is impatient and terribly dissatisfied with the current status of the world. Get this, the Christian is the hoper who is impatiently and terribly dissatisfied with the current status of the world. That means we look out upon the world that we've got to be the agents of hope. We know the rest of the story, right? We know that what Isaiah prophesied, we know that the birth of Christ, we know what happened from Isaiah to Jerusalem through Bethlehem and ultimately to the resurrection. We know the story. So it means that we're to look out upon the world and that we are called to be agents of hope. We're the ones that are punching holes in the darkness to drill through the rock to rescue those that are trapped, to let them know that help is on the way. If you were just to Google organizations named Hope and try to figure out what there were, so many of them use hope as an acrostic or as an acronym, things like helping other people eat, fighting the sin of food insecurity or helping other people excel, helping folks get ahead in life or helping other people everywhere, just doing simply what it says. Or there's this one, helping other parents endure. I mean, we all know we've been there, right? That moment in time when you're in the thick of things and you don't think that anyone else is facing you have to have someone say, there's hope out there, it makes a difference. But in each of these organizations, what do you hear? Hope. It starts with helping others. Friends, that's what we're called to do. We are called to help others. That's how we spread hope. We're dissatisfied with what we see in the world around us. To punch holes in the darkness, to offer our help. Friends, that's hope that we're giving. That's the gift that we've received and that we are re-gifting it to the world. And that's not a bad thing. 
I mean, we know the story, right? It's a story of hope where Isaiah preaches to the Israelites, the baby is born and he saves the world from sin and darkness. It's right here in this room. It's God's gift to us. So friends, we are called to give gifts of hope. We are called to do just that. We are called to shine a light in the darkness. We are called to give a cup of cold water to those that are thirsty. We are called to be present with those that are alone. We are called to heal the suffering of the world. If not us, who then will do it? The world needs hope. And it needs you and me to practice that theology of hope, to drill through the rock, and to say help is on the way. The rescue is coming. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings. Blessings.